No, welcome you to uh, stand with me as we prepare to hear the word of God. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, reading from verse 19 to 22, and then followed by Ephesians 4, reading from verse 15 through to 16. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Let us pray as uh, Dr. Coulter comes to share the word of God. Father, prepare our hearts through your spirit to hear your word. We are your people. We are your church. We desire to live according to your ways. We thank you for the gift that you have given the church and the proclaimed word is so important to our lives and our discipleship. And so I pray that as we hear these words spoken, may it find a place in us. May it indeed transform us because it comes from you. In Jesus' name, amen. In our scripture this morning that uh, Pastor Stu just read us, Paul describes our lives before Christ and contrasts this with our lives in Christ as followers of God and members of his church. You might have noticed that the paragraph, verse 19, that he began with begins consequently. Interestingly, when there's a word like consequently or nevertheless or and or but or whatever, uh, leading a paragraph in a scripture, obviously it refers back to what has just been said. So Paul is saying what he says here, but in but it wants to draw to our attention, but this is as a result of or a consequence of what he describes for us in verses 1 to 10. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us who lived among them at one time, all of us, also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised up Uh, Jesus uh, raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Jesus Christ. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one 
can boast, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. And then, consequently, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself, the chief corner stone. In in him, the whole building joined together and rises to become a holy temple. Now, I admit to you, (laughs) right off the bat, that this scripture from Paul's letter is uh, to the believers at Ephesus is neither background for a stewardship campaign nor justification for a building program. I know that. But let me also suggest that there are some values here that relate directly to the Skyview Home program here in our church. The theme of the book of Ephesians is what God is doing and has done in Christ to redeem men and women from sin and bring people like you and me into right relationship with God and others and the world in which we live, to live a balanced, productive life. Paul suggests that Christ is the center of or reason for all of life, all things past, all things present, all things future are because of Jesus Christ. Quite a statement when you think about it, quite a concept, fairly radical. A secondary theme is this, woven throughout what Christ has done to redeem people is the account of what God is doing, not only what he has done, but what he is doing through people to work out his redemptive purposes in our world. God uses people like you and me to accomplish his purposes. He does not operate in a vacuum. He does not have a magic wand of some kind to see his purposes fulfilled. He owns, the Bible says, the cattle on a thousand hills. (laughs) His riches are unbelievable. But the truth of the matter is, he needs us to fulfill his will. So you have a double theme. God's redemptive mission for our world, accomplished through his son, Jesus Christ, celebrated now at Easter, now being carried out in the lives and witness of ministries of Christian men and women like you and me. One commentator suggests, throughout the Ephesian letter, Paul insists that God is working out his great purpose for mankind by calling men and women to Christ and by forming in Christ a new, redeemed, and redemptive society. It's a redeemed society which constitutes God's people, referred to in various ways in this letter as God's heritage, God's building, Christ's body, the church, new men and women. The main idea in all these figures is that God now has a people in the world, and through them his purpose is being worked out as he carries out his redemptive plan for this whole universe. It is 
God's design and purpose to bring redemption, new life to all people. That is his purpose, working through people like you and me. I have suggested that a theme for this capital campaign might be, together we build. That just strikes me as being pretty descriptive of what we need to be doing together. We live fairly fragmented lives. We do come together at 10.30 on Sunday mornings and worship together, and that's a good thing. But the rest of the time, I think sometime to Pastor Stu's and Pastor Jeff's chagrin, we live our lives out there. Now, in a sense, that's a good thing because out there is where we should be living our Christian lives. But on the other hand, sometimes I'm sure they feel like it would be nice if we kind of came together and all read off the same page, occasionally kind of being together. And it strikes me that this campaign is an opportunity for us to do things together. I stated four weeks ago, as we launched this campaign, that a building does not define us as a congregation. said it again this morning. But identifying and accomplishing the will of God, that does. That does define us as a congregation. Using a building space for God's purpose, purposes does indeed define one of our purposes as a congregation. It would be simpler if the theme was simply, together we minister. <laughs> That'd just be a little easier to sell, wouldn't it? Together we minister. I mean, who can argue with that theme? when you think of it. But I have come to believe that a building is critical for us moving forward. As the body of Christ, we need to, with compassion, reach out to people and respond to their need of God, and they need to know where to find us. And as part of that presence, a visible presence in a new community. Paul says the church is a temple where God lives and ministers. And clearly he's talking about the spiritual temple, his people, believers committed to fulfilling his will in the world. But whether we like it or not, in our day, a building symbolizes God's activity and his mission in our world. In one way or another, for many, many people, it does tell a story. It's why it's so meaningful So for some of us who have gone on work and witness trips or mission trips to world areas, and what have we done? We've built buildings. Why have we built buildings? To the, to the absolute delight of the local people who are absolutely blown away by the fact that we would come to help them to build a building. Well, because, truthfully, a building does say some things about God's activity and His mission in our world. It's a vehicle to carry out ministry. It's a home through which God works. It's in the church that most of us came to know Christ and accept his lordship in our lives. So, secondly, together we build. That means you and me. God is asking us to provide the resources to build. Build. Paul says in our text, we are the body of Christ. We are. You and me. It's up to us. 
We all came to God by faith and know him by faith, a faith that he initiates but calls for our response. He asks us to follow him, to commit ourselves to him, and occasionally he asks us to do something extraordinary for him and his kingdom. I like the idea of the phrase, not equal gifts but equal sacrifice. So as you look at that chart, see where you might fit in. But also where, might, where God might be calling you to fit in. Sacrificially. I mean, how long has it been? Seriously, how long has it been since I really sacrificed to make something happen for God and his kingdom that would not otherwise have been done or accomplished. And we need to do this together. We are, there, there are three levels, strikes me, there are three levels. Kelly would better know this. And you at which we work with other people. And that's competition, cooperation, collaboration. Very early in life as children, we learn the spirit of competition. It's just as natural <laughs> as anything when the little one shouts out, Mine! and will not allow their older brother or sister or younger sibling to have it. Or as they pull it away and yell, No! We just are naturally born with competition in our bones. But a child learns that if he or she is always selfish and always just thinking about themselves, then they're going to be very lonely in life and not get along with mom and dad so well. So, very slowly, children learn, secondly, to cooperate. So, okay, if I have to, I'll cooperate. Fine, I'll cooperate if that's what you want. Parents say, now, Billy, Sally, we must share. Come on. It's time to share. No! Yes. Sharesies is a way of life for us. <laughs> Cooperation is kind of a surface thing, strikes me. It, 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 it's, it's characteristic of perhaps juvenile behavior. Constantly asking, okay, but what's in it for me? There's a higher level of working together. Collaboration strikes me. Collaboration means working together because we are committed to a common goal. We see the goal. We understand the goal. We share the goal. We all do our part, and we all make the same commitment. We are all involved in making it happen. The whole body jointly fit together so that when each separate part works as it should, the whole body grows and builds itself up. Sometimes folks think a capital campaign is a drag on a church. I don't think that at all. I think it's just the opposite. I've already been asked, what's, what, what, what are you expecting from the banquet in terms of pledges? Well, bottom line is, this is God's program. We'll see what happens. If we happen to hit the target right off the bat, well, I guess that'll be a reason for rejoice, but I don't expect that necessarily to happen. I don't know. 
bottom line is that what we need to do is all respond according to God's speaking in our lives so that we are working together in collaboration to fulfill His will. Collaborating according to our resources. Ask any ten people in our congregation this morning to define the word sacrifice. So, sacrifice, not equal sacrifice. Not equal gift, but equal sacrifice. sacrifice. Hmm. If you ask ten people, they may talk about, oh, missionaries. Missionary sacrifice, we know that. Missionaries or soldiers, perhaps police or firemen or might talk about situations or events which are, for the most part, removed from the circumstances of our own lives. And yet Paul calls us to be sacrifice as believers more than once and to do sacrifice as a part of our Christian commitment. The New Testament talks of Jesus' sacrifice to atone for our sins. It's a theme. We get it. In 1 Peter 2 and Ephesians 5, sacrifice is a way of life for believers by, described as such by two different writers. In Psalm 51 and 2 Corinthians 8, we read that sacrifice must first come from the heart before it comes from the resources. And in Luke 21 and 2 Corinthians 8, we learn that our sacrifice, in fact, can be measured and influenced by what someone else does. Paul says, and now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace, about the grace, about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of their very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in much com- no, it doesn't say much complaining. It says, welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they, event- they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this sacrifice to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations, he says. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us, So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on our part. But since you excel in everything, in faith and in speech and in knowledge and in complete earnestness and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving, in the grace of generosity. Scripture describes sacrifice as generous, lavish, costly, logical, and current. Not something back there today. For the next few weeks, between now and the banquet, would you consider carefully what your level of sacrifice to this project might be? Uh, I might come back in two or three weeks and answer some questions you might pose on the website. Send them along to me. What about this? What about that? Feel free. We'd be happy to try to deal with those things. Pray that God would give us his spirit of generosity and that he would guide us in our decisions. And over the next three years, he will provide for our needs according to his riches and glory.
Together, let's build a new home. Let's join with God in building what he would have us to build. A church family committed to ministry, family, sacrifice, generosity, and the declaration of truth in the 21st century. Let's build a new home that will honor God and may God's abundant grace be upon us all. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning for this, your word that penetrates to our hearts. And thank you for your word, uh, live and living and current and up-to-date for our life situation. Guide us as a church family, I pray. Our efforts are so feeble compared to what you might want to do in our hearts over the next while, uh, over the next perhaps three years, but maybe way beyond that. I pray that the people of this congregation, we might excel in the grace of generosity and the grace of giving. And as we consider together where we might sacrificially find ourselves, would you uh, speak to us and encourage us and uh, bring about your uh, um, uh, uh, peace in those decisions? You will provide, you will help us, and you will honor the sacrifice that we make together. Build us together into the church that you want us to be, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.